Welcome to the God Shift Podcast, where we move you from disruption into a greater destiny, expectancy, and possibility. I'm your host, Shana Rattler, and I'm a minister, author, and sought-after speaker. Join myself and individuals, organization leaders, and ministry leaders who unapologetically share their story of when their life collided with God's purpose and put them on the path that was designed for them. You will learn how elevating God's position in your life empowers you to bounce back from setbacks, disappointments, and uncertainty and unlocks the door to confidently move you into your next chapter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a God Shift podcast. I am your host, Shana Rattler. I am glad that you are here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I believe that you are in for another treat where we are going to be exploring exactly what some of the kingdom principles are that we can put in place when we find ourselves navigating difficult seasons of our lives. But before we get into the interview and before I bring on my guest, I have a favor to ask. So I would love if you would do me a favor and take a screenshot of wherever it is that you are watching this episode, whether it's on your laptop, on your phone, on your computer, just take a screenshot of the episode and post it on your social media. And when you post it on your social media, my request is that number one, that you will tag us here at a God shift. And then secondly, you will give your biggest takeaway or your aha. Why do I ask that? It's not so that I can have more downloads. It's so that we can get this message into the hearts and minds of more and more people that will be blessed by the message. So if you could do that, I would absolutely appreciate it. So I am going to read my guest's bio and then we are going to get right to it. So my guest is a dynamic speaker, author of The Factor Books, and lead pastor of Hillside Bethel Tabernacle Church. In addition to 25 years of ministry experience, he has also worked as a healthcare human resources professional more than 30 years. A graduate of the University of Illinois at Springfield, Kevin lives in Decatur, Illinois with his wife, Kathy. They have three children, three grandchildren, two dogs, and one cat. So that sounds like a busy household. So I want to welcome to the show, Kevin Harath. Thank you. It's very um, pleasurable to be here. Really going to enjoy this. Thank you. I want to share with the audience that we're like, he's, I'm from his stomping grounds. He's from my stomping grounds. I'm probably just a little bit younger than him, maybe. Um, But I was actually born and raised maybe an hour or so from where he was born and raised. So that's kind of, that's kind of interesting. Now I'm here in, in Dallas, Texas, and I'm not in central, central Illinois anymore, but central Illinois is very so much in me. So I look quite a, quite a a coincidence. Yes. I look forward to this conversation. So Pastor Harath, obviously I just read your bio, but I would love for you just to share the 20 or 30 second version of, you know, who you are in the kingdom. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much again for allowing me to be here. As you mentioned, I'm born and raised in Decatur, Illinois, Central Illinois area. A lot of cornfields, a lot of bean fields, as you know. Um, I'm a preacher's kid. Uh, my father founded our church in 1961. He has been the pastor for 60 years. Last October, he's still alive, still well, still involved in ministry, but he decided to step back from um, full-time ministry, and uh, I've been named the lead pastor. So I quit my career of 30 years in in healthcare. So I was working full-time and was associate pastor um, 
part-time, I guess you'd say. And um, now I've made that transition to completely full-time ministry. So it's, it's an exciting year for us. Yeah, I was going to say congratulations. Those are the types of things that people always ask me, like, are you excited, right? And so I was ordained in October of 2021, and people were like, are you excited? And I said, well, I don't necessarily know that excited is the word that you use for that. I said, while I'm looking forward to, you know, what the Lord does in my life and the people that are assigned to my voice, I also know the huge responsibility that comes along with that. I know sometimes the spiritual attack, you know, that that comes along with that. So I will just say congratulations. I don't know if you were excited or not, but congratulations. Well, thank you. I am excited um, and scared and, (laughs) and feel the heavy weight of responsibility. But when you are walking in what God's called you to do, it's well, what the prophet said, well, I, if I preach not the gospel, Paul said, it's like fire shut up in my bones. So yeah. I got to do it. And I'm excited Absolutely. to do it. Yeah, Absolutely. So let's get into the conversation. So for context for this conversation, Pastor Harath, my definition of a God shift is anytime a disruption in your life collides with God's purpose, but it ultimately moves you into a greater destiny. I believe that God uses these unexpected circumstances to get our attention. You know, it's an invitation mm-hmm. for him to, you know, get us to where it is that he really has planned for us. The question is, are we going to see what it is that he wants us to see? Are we going to learn what it is that he wants us to learn? And oftentimes, are we going to go where it is that he meets us next? So can you think of a time that God used a particular challenge or disappointment or detour in your own life? Absolutely. Um, and really, it is something that has shaped my life. Um, as I mentioned, I was born and raised in the church and um, have known the Lord all my life. I do remember a decision point, though. Uh, I think it's important to know when you made that personal decision to follow the Lord. It was at a young age, and uh, I was a good kid, man, doing the right things. And I remember one summer at our summer youth camp, um, and you know, probably know how youth camps are, and you know, you're on fire, things are great. And and I didn't hear an audible voice, but I knew I heard the call of God in my life. I knew I was going to do something great for God. And, uh, and I was excited. I mean, and my love and my passion for God was as high uh, on the scale as it could go. And then that summer, um, summer of 1985, I remember it very clearly. I was 15 years old and um, I was diagnosed with a chronic skin disorder called psoriasis that also developed into psoriatic arthritis. And, and I got it severely. Um, at points of uh, time, I would be 70, 80% of my body was covered in, in psoriasis, plaques, scales that would uh, bleed and uh, crack and bleed and dry and very uncomfortable, very unsightly. And now remember, I'm 15 years old, right? So I'm right here at the point of my life where I think things are going to take off, but my heart, my emotions were crushed because it was hard dealing with this. And I remember that. I got to a point, I don't recommend anybody ever do this, but um, I was at a point where I think we can have good, hard conversations with God. That's okay. But I got to the point where my anger was on the opposite side of the scale as my passion, my love for him was originally. The pendulum had swung completely to the other side because it was like, God, how dare you do this to me? I'm a good kid. I'm doing all the right things. I'm going to serve you. You've called me and I know that. And you've allowed this to happen to me when all my friends, the people around me who maybe aren't serving you, man, they're living the good life. Everything's falling in place for them. 
and I've got this now happening to me. How dare you, God? And again, I don't advise doing this, but I literally said, God, you need to give me what I deserve. Wow. And that's dumb because what I deserve is eternal separation. So we should never ask God to give us what we deserve because we we don't want that. What we need is his love and his mercy. And for a long period of time, I hardened my heart against the things of God. I went through some motions, you would say, you know, I didn't completely walk away, but in my heart, I was beginning to close up and shut down. And I did that thinking that that was a way to protect myself. I thought I was protecting my emotions, my spirit, uh, and all these things because it felt like everything was against me. And I I mean, I got married, I had a a child and later had another child, but still it, it was just going through the motion. I wasn't living for God. And it got to a point where um, my disease got worse, had some sort of interaction with medicine. I'm not sure exactly what happened. We still don't know to this day, but it was in 1996. I was in the hospital and um, near death. My skin became erythodermic, which means I got red from top of my head and I had lost my hair by that time too, which is a whole other topic I was angry about God, I got about, but we won't go there. Um, but I, I'd lost my skin as my skin shedded off. Uh, my heart was racing. Um, I couldn't keep anything down and I was in the hospital and I wasn't sure if I was going to live or die. And it was at that point where, um, I had another conversation with God and what opened my eyes was my daughter had come up to visit me. She was five years old at the time. She left and I was there in the hospital. And I thought to myself, if I die, what is my daughter going to remember about me? What is she going to think about me? What kind of man, what kind of man of God was I? And all of a sudden things begin to shift a little bit. I begin to realize, you know, my relationship with God, it's about me and him, but also it affects people around me. And so um, I told God, look, God, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but if, if I live, um, I, I'm going to serve you and I'll do it. And from that moment on, I'm alive today. So obviously I, I survived. I still have psoriasis. I still have psoriatic arthritis. I do have medicines that help. Um, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. I've been experiencing a flare here lately and it, it does affect me emotionally. But um, after that, that, uh, conversation with God after I got out of the hospital, I started serving him. I even did a support group to help other people with the condition that I have. And we've done other things along the, along the way. But I have to say, as life went on, my daughter, when she got to be about 12, 13 years old, she was diagnosed with the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that I had to deal with as well, because, you know, it's one thing to mess with me, you mess with my kids. Now we got a problem. <laughs> yeah. um, and I wrestled with that, got through that. Then my son, who's 12 years younger than my daughter, when he turned uh, 13 or 14, he was diagnosed with it. Uh, both of them have it severely, not as severely as I do, but it requires constant medication. Follow-up. And I remember I was sitting in the, the doctor's office with my son. And the doctor had stepped out and I looked at him and I said, son, I am so sorry. Yeah. And I, I did, I, I almost broke down because I knew what I had gone through. I knew the struggles that I had faced. I knew how hard it was and I did not want him to have to go through it too. And he simply looked at me and said, dad, if you can handle it, I can handle it. Oh, that's so great. And it's like, wow. Okay. 
it kind of made sense again, right? My relationship with God is between me and him, but it doesn't just impact me. It impacts people around me, my family, my friends, my church. And so it started to, to be understandable. Okay. God can still use these situations and people are watching how I react. People are watching Christians. You know, we, we talk big when things are going good, but what happens when things aren't so good? How are we talking? How are we acting then? That's when the people are watching us. And that's when our stories are really going to tell what Christ has done for us. Yeah. And so I'm curious because I believe that, um, you know, he uses like he knows our, he knows us just like you have two or three kids and you mm-hmm. know, all of them, you know, every single one of them, you know what it's going to take to get their attention. Your mm-hmm. daughter can do something that she shouldn't do and require some consequence. And you would know exactly what you would need to do to get her attention. And mm-hmm. that may or may not be the same consequence that is going to get your son's attention. And so I believe that the Lord knows his children, just like we know ours and he knows mm-hmm. how to get our attention. So I'm curious, um, it's kind of a, of a two part question. One, why do you believe that he had to use your health to, as a, as a means of getting your attention and what do you believe that you were supposed to learn or was it the, you know, the reaction and what other people see? Mm -hmm. I think, you you know, and uh, I, and then interestingly is, enough, you end up in healthcare. <laughs> right. <laughs> and this is going to be speculation because, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't know everything. I, one thing I do know, we live in a fallen world. Things happen. They happen to good people. They happen to bad people. They happen to people. Yeah. That's life. And we have to learn how to adjust. Now, the question is, and I know this is a deep theological question, does God cause things to happen or does God allow things to happen or and I think the answer to all that is yes but we don't know maybe all the details right God knows we don't know and that's what I love about the book of Job Job never finds out the why um, as the reader we do I remember in college I, was, I took uh, the Bible as literature as a class a secular college and um, they, uh, this was a again a secular class, a, an English class, and they said this is the the problem with the Book of Job. The the protagonist never learns. And I raised my hand. I said, No, 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 no. That's the beauty of the book. Right. The protagonist never learns the cosmic battle that's happening in heaven, but yet he still says. I know my redeemer lives and I know I'm going to see him in the flesh on that day. Uh, and I know. And, and so um, I can say the same thing. I don't know the whys. I don't know all the, the, the details, but I know God is real. And I know that God can use even the bad situations in my life. What Satan, I think meant to take me out of ministry, God turned around and used it to put me into ministry. And I may have lost some years, Right. But the Bible says that he will restore the years that were taken away by the locust. Now, does that mean I'm going to live twice as long? I don't think that means that necessarily, but I do believe the fruit that I can see now as I'm serving God will surpass what it was had I not gone through what I did. So I I really think God can take these situations and turn them for good. That's what God does. That's who he is. That's who he is. One of the things that I would love to add to that. It, you know, it, it made me think of this when you talked about uh, restoration of time is that it just further goes to prove that time is nothing for God. And so while we think that the disruption that we have gone through, that we have either lost time or we've wasted time, you know, however it is that we choose to look at it, 
when God uses it for his purpose, which we know he always does, he's so Mm -hmm. committed to his results that he's willing to shake up our lives and what we perceive as a negative manner in order to accomplish what it is that he's looking to accomplish. But once he gets us to where it is that he needs us to be and he has our attention, he can do overnight Mm -hmm. what it would typically take five, 10 years you know, to accomplish. <clears throat> and I've, I've had to learn that even when it looks like it, nothing is wasted. It may feel like it. I wasted time in that relationship that I knew that person was not good for me, or I know I should have left that job a long time ago or whatever it is that we look back and would have, should have, could have ourselves mm-hmm. and recognizing that once he gets us exactly where it is that he needs us to be. And it's not, a, it's not an overnight suddenly. But right. he still can accomplish what, what what he needs to accomplish, regardless of what we feel like we've wasted. And even after we're gone. Yes. Right? We, so we got to live with eternity in mind. We are so focused on the here and now and this life. And we've got to live with eternity in mind. We've got to look beyond what we can see. And so let's redeem the time that we have, even if we're gone, the things that we do for Christ will last. Yes. And the people coming behind us can see those things and we can leave a legacy of life. And um, that's, what's important. That's what I was, that's what I was going to say. You know, obviously we have the eternal gift of, you know, living, living in heaven, but if if done right, if we do this thing, the dash, right. The, that, the dash, mm-hmm. the, the birth and the death, if we get the dash, right, we're going to leave a legacy that the improvement in our lives are going to continue to improve the lives of others as well. So it's just yeah. all this yummy stuff. So I want to, before we um, segue into helping people figure out how they do this, because they can look at you and I and go, okay, great. I'm glad that you all are on the other side of your disruption. I'm glad mm-hmm. you've learned what it is that you need to learn and you're where it is that you need to be for this next level of your destiny. I want to make sure that we are giving some perspective and some tips to people for how they can put that together. So we're going to pause. I'm going to take a quick commercial break. And then when we get back, we'll We'll jump into some of the how do you do it, okay? Sounds great. All right. So this episode is brought to you by the free guide, When God Says Shift. Inside, you'll discover the four shifts required to follow God's plan to move you out of disruption and into a greater destiny, expectancy, and possibility. Head to GodSaysShift.com. That's GodSaysShift.com to access it now. All right. So let's give some perspective um, to what it is that people are going through. Like, let's just put it put it right in their in their laps and then we'll get into some tips of how they can, you know, embrace this and get over it like like we've been fortunate enough to do. So we've talked about the fact that, you know, ultimately God gets the glory um, out of our lives if we will recognize that disruption is used for a reason. He may not cause it. It may just be something that he allows, but he does it for a reason and it can actually be beneficial to our lives. I think your story is the perfect example of that. But what are some of the, especially in your experience, first of all, you've been in human resources for 30 years. So you understand the behaviors of people, right? Well, I don't know if I understand them, but I I know what you You mean. You have a lot of experience with (laughs) Yeah, there you go. You have a lot of experience with your people. And then with the, you know, more than two decades in ministry, you also 
experience people's behaviors and hear people's mm-hmm. problems and counsel people through problems. So in your experience, Pastor, what are some of the most common barriers that you see that can actually prevent a person from this actually developing them in the way that it can and it actually being beneficial? It really it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before. What is our perspective? And here in the United States of America, I think it's problematic. We're so blessed that it's almost become a curse where we are so focused on the things of this life. Um, even some, and I don't want to, to disparage anyone, but when we get so much into talking about prosperity and blessings, and we, yes. we, 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 we say that, you know, if you have all these material things, if you have health and, and wealth, then that's God's favor on your life. But I've discovered that blessing, uh, being blessed by God doesn't necessarily mean I get more stuff. When something is blessed, that means it's set apart. It's yeah. set apart for special service. So if I'm being blessed by God with money, health, whatever, then you know what? That means I better be using that for him because I've been set apart for that special service. And okay. And if I don't have those things, but I have other things, how do I use that to serve God? Because really this is all about eternity, but we get so wrapped up in getting more for me developing uh, more riches, my retirement plan, looking at the stock market today is going up, going down. And I get all bent out of shape because of material circumstances, you know, COVID vaccines and masks and no mask. And, and we get all worked up and triggered yeah, (laughs) over all this stuff, which are important. I don't want to make light of those things. They are important, but but eternity is what's important. Are we really about the father's business? And when we let these circumstances of life, which are real, but the Bible says, if we, if we perceive our perception or our, um, our uh, persecutions or disabilities or problems as a momentary light affliction, yeah. that it doesn't compare to the eternal weight of glory. I love that comparison, the momentary light affliction eternal weight of glory. Wow. Okay. That puts it in perspective. Now I can deal with a little better. So the first step is getting people to get that perspective. And that's hard. That's so good. And it's, and it's, and it's not always a complete overhaul. Sometimes it's just that little little five degree shift. Yeah. Five degree shift. It wasn't a, oh my gosh, I had to come in and work with a counselor for six months. No, it's just this one little tweet Mm -hmm. that makes you go, huh? Because I believe that how we see a thing determines how we begin to speak. Mm -hmm. It determines how we begin to behave and how we think and how we act is going to create our reality. Remember Elisha's servant, the armies were coming against him. And he goes to Elisha and Elisha says, what are you worried about? There is more for us than there are against us. Right. So his servant had to have his eyes open, his spiritual eyes. That's what we need. We've got to open our spiritual eyes, get beyond what we see and look in the supernatural and have that longer perspective. And that'll, that'll change everything. I believe. Absolutely. Because what I was going to say is, is that if you think what you've gone through to get here is bad, start. (laughs) speaking in the wrong manner and behaving in the wrong manner. And it's just going to snowball and be even worse. So it's like, you know, you have a choice to make Mm -hmm. to say, I'm going to try to see this through the lens or to your point, I'm going to try to see what I see with my spiritual eyes and not 
taking so much stock into what I see with my natural eyes and make the choice to say, I'm going to make sure that my words and my actions line up not only with what the word of God says, but what it is that I really want to create. Yeah. So as we begin to wrap this up, I would love to know if you were talking to someone that is finding themselves in a situation where they're navigating a difficult season of life. It could be health related. It could be financial, relational, you know, you name it. And they and they say, you know what? I, I've got it. I want to have the right perspective. I want to recognize that this is a workshop, not a wilderness. You know, if I let it, it'll develop me and it won't destroy me. What's your best tip? Here's what I've discovered. <clears throat> and I, I discovered this when, um, really evaluating my own life, my own hardened heart. I went back to the prime example of a hardened heart, and that was the Pharaoh of the Exodus. And I looked to see, okay, what happened there? Could he have gotten through this? And what about the other people that watched this happen? Pharaoh, he didn't get over it. He spiraled down. And I discovered the very reason this happened was he didn't heed God's word. In fact, he told Moses, he said, who is Yahweh that I should obey him. It wasn't that Pharaoh wasn't a man of faith because he had faith. He had all these gods of Egypt. He even thought of himself was a God in a certain respect. So he, he was a man of faith, but he didn't heed God's word. He didn't trust the one true God. And so he couldn't get out of the circumstance. He spiraled down. The very children of Israel who watched this battle happen between uh, Yahweh and, and Pharaoh, it really wasn't between Moses and Pharaoh, it was really between God and Pharaoh. And they watched this happen. They then wander in the desert, and the Bible tells us they suffered the same thing. They hardened their hearts against the things of God. Why? Because they didn't heed God's word. And so my advice is get into the word of God every day. And I've developed my own habit on this. And, and I don't like the word habit. Habit's something you do without thinking. Yeah. I, I want to be intentional. But this is what I do every day. I get up. I uh, let the dogs out and put the coffee on, and uh, I read the verse of the day. It just comes through the Bible app, and yeah. I don't, never know what it's going to be. It's sometimes random, it seems like. I'll read that verse of the day. I'll think about it, and then I write a short devotion. I post it then on my um, social media accounts, but it's just impromptu. I just take that verse. I'll read scriptures before and after because I don't want to take it out of context. Sure. I want to see what it is, and then I've discovered as I start my day, with the word of God, it frames the way I see my day. Um, not that I'm looking through rose colored glasses, but again, I'm looking beyond what I can see in the natural yeah. and the word of God helps me do that. And then I tell you what, things begin popping out. I start seeing things that I hadn't seen before. I began realizing things I didn't realize before. It's helped my own personal life. I think it's helped me in my preaching life, I think it's helped me in, in be able to counsel people and talk to people about these things. And um, it all starts with the word of God. It's foundational. And that's what we need to do. So if you want to change your perspective, get into the word systematically. Hear other people. Absolutely. Take notes, listen to people, uh, buy books and devotionals, all great, but do it yourself too. And I love the way that you frame that because I think conceptually, we all recognize the importance and the need to be in the word. But there's mm -hmm. so many people that have no idea where to start. Yep. And just reading something does not always have the same effect as it does. So I love what you said. of You don't have to just pick it up and see what page it falls no. over to or just, you know, any, meeny, miny, mo. 
But if you'll just go to the Bible app, if you have a devotion, mm-hmm. it's a, a devotional book, it's always going to have a scripture with it that you can use. Yep. But you don't even have to do that. You can download the Bible app for free. There's That's right. Verse of the day. But he's encouraging you not just read the verse, but actually meditate on mm-hmm. what it means and more importantly, what it means for you. And then journal down your thoughts, journal right. what you're thinking, how it's making you feel. And hopefully more importantly, he didn't say this, but I'll add this. How are you going to respond? Mm, yes. Because I think that that helps go beyond the perspective that it's going to give you. And it can actually help get you in motion because I, 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 I firmly believe that there's a difference between belief and faith. Absolutely. I think those words used interchangeably, but mm. belief, in my opinion, is what you think. It's the mm. ideologies behind um, the hopefully the thoughts that you govern. But your faith is what you do, right? Your your faith right. is action. Your beliefs show up. You know, That's right. I believe this, so then I think that, and then I do this. So hopefully, you know that that tip that he gave you will really give you something to ground you every single day. And my recommendation would be do that first thing in the day. Like he said, I let the dogs out, I put the <laughs> coffee on, and then I'm right to that app. Mm-hmm. So Pastor Harak, how can our listeners um, find you and follow you? Um, I have several uh, social media accounts. Um, okay. So I'm on Facebook and uh, Instagram. Those are my two primary social media accounts. The Factor Books is my um, label there. I also have a website called thefactorbooks.com. I have published um, several books that um, talk about a lot of the things we've talked about today. Um, One is The Pharaoh Factor, Living with a Hardened Heart. I delve into a character study of the Pharaoh of the Exodus. I use myself as an example, some of what we've talked about today, and how a person who is struggling with a hardened heart, whether it's because of a physical situation, emotional, relational, or financial, whatever, um, what's the solution? And we just said it, heed God's word. And so uh, there's a, I have a devotional that talks about that. Um, we have a devotional called the Elisha factor. We referenced Elisha a little bit today too. Um, and so it looks at his life and um, what lessons we can learn. And then the other ones are um, the donkey factor and Daniel, the donkey factor, which we take a look at the donkey in scripture which is a little bit of humor here, but um, the Bible, I think, uses the donkey as illustrative of us. And so yeah. we use uh, the, that uh, the animal and the, those tools just to help teach those lessons to our children, but also to adults. So those are some accompanying books we have uh, just for um, for fun, but also for learning. Um, I pack scripture in every one of them. It's easy reading. I try to use a little humor, but also try to hit us right between the eyes with the gospel. I love it. So for the, for those of you who are listening um, that actually want to take things further and glean from Pastor Harap even further, is that what you would recommend for them is to go to the website and get one of the books? Yes, uh, thefactorbooks.com. Um, okay. They're also available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, but going to the website would be the quickest way. Okay, perfect. And I'm going to make sure that his social media handles and his website are in the show notes so that you don't have to go back and say, did he say this? Did he say that? I will take care of putting all of that for you. So Pastor Harath, I thank you so much um, for being willing to share your nuggets and your experience with our audience. I'm sure somebody's going to be blessed by it. Well, thank you so much for this opportunity. I've really enjoyed it. I really have. You're absolutely welcome. So everyone, that is a wrap of this episode of a God Shift podcast. I ask that you will continue 
to not only um, share this information with your family, friends, and maybe even your foes, but that you listen to previous episodes, um, download our free guide at GodSaysShift.com and go to Pastor Harass website and his social media so that you can continue to glean from from him as well. So thank you so much for being here for this episode. I pray that you will listen to many more. Have a great day. Bye-bye. I want to thank you for listening to the God Shift Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. And remember to put God first and everything will fall into place.